welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. My name is Dave Soval and I'm your host. And today's episode features Chad Harrington and Jim Putman about their brand new book, The Revolutionary Disciple. This is part two of their series that's been airing inside the Discipleship.org Collective. So if you have not heard or listened to or watched part one, make sure you skip back to episode 49 of this season to listen to that before going any further. All right, before we dive in, I want to make sure you remember about the promo going on for our upcoming National Disciple Making Forum, November 4th and 5th. If you go to discipleship.org to purchase tickets for that and enter the promo code podcast, all lowercase letters, you'll receive 50% off of your purchase price, which is a pretty sweet deal. All right, let's jump into the episode today with Chad and Jim talking to us about their new book, The Revolutionary Disciple. Here we go. I'm Chad Harrington, and this is Jim Putman with me. And uh, we wrote a book called The Revolutionary Disciple, Walking Humbly with Jesus in Every Area of Life. And it's a discipleship.org resource. You can find it at therevolutionarydisciple.com. You can also click on the link in the show notes to get a copy. But what we want to do today is talk about how our message in this book about being humble and walking humbly with Jesus can help you. Like, what is it, what is this going to do for you? And so we want to talk about the problem and the solution. So the problem that we seek to solve in this, in this message is that we struggle with pride as people and it just wrecks our life. But here's the deal it wrecks discipleship too. You know, um, you, we could take an analogy of COVID. So I just got over having COVID and it wrecked me. I mean, for a couple of weeks, I had a, I mean, I was lethargic sleeping like, like 12 hours a day, all this stuff. I was almost like just out of commission. That's kind of what pride does for us. It just takes us out of the game. We might still be alive, but we're not fully functioning uh, and we're not on, operating on all cylinders for the gospel and making disciples. Pride just weighs us down. And then we, um, one of the things that Jim and I talk about is then Je- Jesus comes along and he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. It's like, oh, that's me. Like pride, which manifests through disobedience because our pride causes us to rebel. Pride is a burden. And Christ says, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. And so that comes in the middle of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. And it's part, it's a discipleship passage. He says, learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So what we want to talk today about, and Jim, I'm going to pass the baton to you, is that Discipleship is a journey, and we can learn more about humility by taking a journey through the book of Ephesians and through the five spheres. So, Jim, just kind of open that up for us and give us a a vision of the map there. Well, let me just say it this way. I believe that when God created us, he said it was good, right? And it was very good. Sin comes into the world, and 
We were led away from God's design by our own pride in every sphere of our life. Um, we were, um, we were, because of pride, we couldn't be trusted in marriage, right? I mean, there was a battle in marriage about who was going to be in control. Uh, your desire will be for your husband to the woman, but he will rule over you. They're hiding from one another. When it comes to parenting, you see the problem with Cain and Abel, right? When it comes to the job, now there's sweat and thorns and thistles. When it comes to, you know, every, every part of your life, um, it becomes a problem because of pride rather than following the design of God and walking with the creator who empowered us to live out the design. We rejected the designer and the design. Now, what God does is he comes to us and says, have you had enough of this yet? Are you willing to let me lead you back towards the design? I think that discipleship is the process of going from wherever he found us back towards the design. Um, And Jesus said it this way, for the man who hears my words and puts them into practice like a man who builds his house on the rock, right? Um, He's helping us to to rebuild our life according to his word, according to his original design. And, And so discipleship is this process of trusting and following him believing and trusting in his word so that he can rebuild our foundation on the rock in every part of our messed up life. And so, um, and the purpose of a, of the church and of believers is to help model for us and walk us, uh, to explain the word of God, to help us rebuild on a solid foundation. Cause we used to be built on the sand in all of these other areas of our life. And so, um, the, the book of Ephesians for me and for our church is kind of this um, Paul's plan of walking you back towards uh, God's design in every part of your life. And so as you walk through Ephesians, he first starts uh, first 13 verses, eight times he tells you about who you are in Christ, right? He, he talks about this abiding relationship. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. And you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing, right? In, 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 in John 15, he says that I am the root. The Father is the gardener. He prunes off everything that doesn't bear fruit. Uh, he prunes even things that do bear fruit. And, and he says, remain in me. And so there's John, John 15. I think Paul's kind of teaching through this. Here's who you are. You used to be far from God. You were by nature objects of God's wrath. But now... Because of Christ, who's reconciled us to God, we are part of the family of God, right? We've been washed. Our identity is we're washed. John, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1, all the way up through 2, verse 10, tells us where we were before Christ. But now because of Christ, this is who we are, an abiding sphere. Then in 2.10, he says, you're saved by grace through faith for good works. You're created anew in Christ Jesus for good works, where? In the family of God, in the church. What is a family of God, kingdom of heaven, body of Christ? The church is the manifold wisdom of God, right? It's where it's preached to the whole world. It's this, and he starts to say, in the church, you're now a community. You're taken, you're called out from all these other communities, all these other ways of doing things. In the church now, 
Let me show you what it looks like to be in relationship. That's why it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. There's going to be conflict, right? That's why it says, uh, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. He's, he's, he's in the church, in this discipleship church relationship, you're learning what it looks like to love. The world's version of love was lust or emotion. God's version of love is laying down your life. Right. And you're, you're, you're learning what it looks like in the church sphere. Then he talks about the home sphere. And now he says what you've learned in the church. Right. You learned about leadership in the church. You know, the job of a leader is to equip the saints. Ephesians four. Right. He, he, and he says in the home sphere, Ephesians five, he says, by the way, he says, out of reverence for Christ, submit, therefore, one to another. And now he goes into the home sphere. In the home sphere, what does a mother look like? Where did I learn that? I didn't learn that from my family. Uh, I learned the world's version from the family. If I'm in Ephesus, I'm, I, I, don't, I wasn't taught what the, the mother's job or the father's job or community looked like. I was given that version from the world. But in Christ, I now learned what a home should look like, right? What a parent should look like, what a child should look like. After the home sphere, he says, now let's talk about the slaves and masters work sphere. What does it look like to work hard and do everything you do as if you do it unto the Lord? What does it look like to be an employee? What does it look like to be a boss, right? What does it look like to, to be out there in the world interacting with unbelievers? And then at the end of the work sphere or the world sphere, he says, now here's the spiritual realm sphere. You fight the spiritual realm sphere together. There's a war going on as you're abiding in Christ and that relationship with Jesus is changing the the church world, or excuse me, a home world sphere, the devil is coming against you. And how do you fight that? As you abide in Christ and you're in the body of Christ and you're in the family of God, you are uh, and you're in, in the home sphere. You're, you're now fighting in prayer, putting on the former of God. That was written to the church, not to any one individual, though it has individual application. We're called on to live out uh, our identity in Christ um, with other believers who have an identity in Christ, with a home sphere where we're trying to teach them their identity in Christ, living out the identity of Christ in the work sphere as we fight the devil who's coming against all of that uh, in the spiritual realm. There's a war going on. Here's, here's our goal. Humility plays a part as I follow Christ. He tells me who I am. I accept who he says I am rather than the world. In the church, I'm learning not only who I am, but who, who other believers are. I'm, I'm, I'm learning in a discipleship church relationship what it looks like to be a, all the things I'm called to be in home. As the church and home work together now, I'm working as a missionary wherever I work, live, and play. I'm, I'm trying to bring respect and honor to the message of God as I work with unbelievers. Discipleship is about every sphere of your life, and God's trying to teach us his design in every sphere. Will I submit to him? Will I submit to the role I'm in? Right? I'm, if I'm in a church, will I submit to leadership in the church? If I'm a leader, will I take responsibility to lay down my life? As a, the design for a leader is to lay down your life for your flock the way Jesus did. 
you know, when I work, will I be under God's authority in what he says about what kind of a boss I am, about what kind of an employee I am? Discipleship encompasses every part of our life, and Ephesians walks us through that. So that's why we use that as our uh, our design. Yeah, boom. Hey, Jim, that was, that was great, man. Um, I, what's cool about it is that, you know, Ephesians, more than any other book of the New Testament, is a treatise or like this, almost this like really clearly articulated theology of church. It's different than any other. It's different than Colossians. It's different than first, second Corinthians and Romans. It's got this unique slant to it. And I just think it's so powerful. And one of the reasons I think for that is because when Paul was writing it to the Ephesian church, you know, Ephesians was one of the biggest cities in the Roman empire. It was a cultural hotbed. It was near the ocean. It was this, it was on this huge trade route. And there was a lot of spiritual dynamics. And so Paul basically comes in and, and, and there's a lot of political kind of aspects to life in Ephesians. And so Paul comes in and he says, the world is telling you one way to live, spiritually, politically, work-wise, family-wise. And then he says, he uses the, a political word in Greek. It's ecclesia. And that's what they called the gathering of all male citizens who owned property, gathering together to talk about and to vote on and make dis, take action on the betterment of the city. Ecclesia, which is what we translate as church, was a political term in Paul's day. And he writes and he says, we are a city within a city. We are the church of God in Christ. And I think that that's such a timely message for today because, you know, talk about a city within a city. We are a country within a country in the United States. And, and the church is a light on a hill right now. But here's the deal. We don't always act like it. And, but here's the, here's the other thing. Christ has called us to act like it. It's kind of like when you're disciplining your child. It's like, that's not who you are. That's not what I've taught you to be. And when we say that, it's like what God says to us, you know, he, he would call Peter out and he would call his disciples out and be like, you little faiths, you know, which was, I guess, a Jesus, the, like Jesus cousin. He called him little faiths. That was the insult. But he called him out. Right. He's like, what are you guys doing? You knuckleheads. You know, and he called the Pharisees. He He's calling the people out, not because he's cruel and unusual and he thinks they can't do anything about it. And he's just shaming them. He calls us out and he convicts our heart even today because he believes that in God we can be different. Otherwise, he's cruel and unusual. I mean, what a terrible person to call you out and then there's no hope. No, when God calls us out, it's because he has a plan. And I think the church today needs its identity restored as a real entity in the real world that has a real calling. And so that's why I bring up some of the background for what church means. Um, we are the church. We don't just go to church. We are the church. And as the people of God, we live in these different spheres. And so, you know, Jim went through and talked about in Ephesians, you know, but it's all sort of embedded and and centered on Christ in the church, right? 
So the church sphere comes before the others, you'll notice. Obviously, abiding with Christ is the number one sphere. Our personal relationship with God is vital. It's number one. Absolutely. You can't, but second to that is not the home sphere. And Jim, you make a good point about this as you teach and write and, and preach about the five spheres is the church sphere comes first because here's the deal. We learn how to be better husbands. We learn how to be better wives and mothers and fathers and kids and grandparents in the church. Because truth is, if we all look to our home life and our parents and our kids, our family, it's like we wouldn't have any hope for learning anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, that's what I always say. It's not that he thinks that, that home is less important. People always ask me, why is you're saying that home comes after the church? I didn't. Paul did. And he didn't just do it there. He did it in Colossians as well. Right. Um, it, it, he's saying that it's in this new discipleship centered around the teachings of the disciples who were preaching the commands of Christ which were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, that in the church, we're learning to come underneath the authority of the teachings of Jesus given to us by the scriptures, taught to us by the, the, the pastors and shepherds and leaders. We're called on to learn to love a different way. And being under the authority of the leaders, you know, um, is a part of, you know, Jesus said, Matthew 28, go and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And the early church in Acts 2, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And there was this authority that God gave elders and pastors and in the church, but their responsibility was to lay down their life for believers. Paul tells Timothy that they're to preach the word in season and out of season, hold to the teachings, all scripture is God breathed, live a life, you know, um, follow me as I follow Christ. We're called on as leaders to be a model, to live out humbly, the, the responsibility. Leadership is not a privilege to be used. It's a responsibility to lay down your life and point people to Christ so that people aren't just passing on the traditions they got from their parents in the home, from the culture. They're passing on a new way of life to the home sphere. Once the home sphere picks it up, then the parents are picking it up and the kids that are being raised are injecting into the church. So it's it started in the church. But when the home and the church are working together, they're they're feeding each other. The kids that come from the home are godly. The kids that come from the church are becoming more godly in the home. Now, out of the overflow of that, yeah. out of reverence for Christ. Now, I'm, you know, I'm now going to work understanding that I have, you know, in, in every case, who we are in Christ and Christ's authority plays out in the work sphere. It plays out in the in the home in the home sphere. It plays out in the church sphere. Christ is the authority. We submit to him. He's actually placed in the home a father who who is to love his wife and kids as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it right? He's given us the model of Jesus. We've been given a role in the design. We're called on to live out that design according to what Jesus says, but also who he was. Wives are called to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Yet every single bit of this is about humbling ourselves according to the Lord's design rather than the cultural or our parents' design. And then to live that out humbly 
for the purposes of God. And he rebuilds what's been taken down by the culture and our own sinful internal uh, faulty sin nature. Yeah, it's almost like the church is the filter. It's the playing ground on which we can make mistakes and be picked back up. We can learn new skills. We can unlearn bad habits. The church is the place of training and that's where Christ dwells. I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at discipleship.org. It's our discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community, so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today. It was a mantra not too long ago um, that the church is the hope of the world. Well, I... I understand what they meant by that. I don't think it's true. I think it's Christ in the church is the hope of the world. And, and Christ's church, right? Yeah. Jesus Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He didn't say a church, our church. A lot of people build a church that's based on the foundations they were given by other people, but it's not been checked according to the plans. And they live in a box that they've been handed instead of going, is that the right box? Because the only box that works is Jesus's box. Right. Right. But but here's what I would say. As believers, um, oftentimes the reason Ephesians is so important is so many of us were taught church doctrine. The Bible is in there in foul word of God, Um, the triune God. Uh, Jesus is the only way to salvation and only doctrine was taught, but not parenting skills. People weren't discipled. They were converted, said, here's a Bible, come back to church. Because they go to church, they didn't actually live out the community within the believers. They didn't have models. They didn't have accountability. They didn't know what it was supposed to look like. All they got was teaching as if that was going to be enough, right? If Jesus used that model, he would have said, come back to the synagogue next week and I'll teach you again. No, Jesus walked through what it looks like to make disciples in front of them. They had a model to follow, right? Paul, when he said to Timothy, what you've seen in me, you do. Follow me as I follow Christ. It wasn't just a teaching. He says, you know my way of life. You know how I've lived. You know these things. Discipleship within the church is a relational, committed body of believers that lives with and amongst one another so that they have a lifestyle that actually practically comes from Scripture. A lot of times, People hear the scripture, but if there's no practical application to that, they have filters, they, they hear words in certain ways, they have different experiences that dictate the terms, rather than the godly example lived out in the family of God, so that when they go home, 
They saw somebody parent. They saw what discipline looked like. They saw what love looked like. They saw it and they experienced it, maybe not at home, but they did in the church. So now they have something different to give in the home. They they saw a humble leader. So now when they go to work, they saw what leadership looks like as a servant. When they, they served in the church and they saw other people submit to authority so they know what submission at work looks like. And when to stand up and how to deal with conflict, they saw conflict dealt with in the church. So they they took that home or they took that to work because we haven't lived out the church. We've just gone to a church. Discipleship hasn't happened in every sphere of life, which is why people, you know, they say church is church, business is business. They turn into a wolf at work. Because no one taught them what looking like a shepherd and a sheep of Christ looks like at work. Yeah, it was kind of like discipleship by doctrine alone kind of thing. And it, it really what it is, I think, too, is disembodied discipleship. What I mean is our bodies, our physical existence, our, the rest of our life doesn't matter. Just what we think, just what we believe in our heart. And so we've separated our life from our beliefs and Christ comes as the incarnate deity and says, I am the word. You can feel my body. And I think that we're disciples of an embodied Christ, right? And he teaches us how to live. It's not like he's like floating on clouds and he says, come be with me and think good thoughts. It's like, no, man, come learn from me. Put a yoke on. And what I, what I discovered as we were doing research on the, the Revolutionary Disciple book is at first, and I believe this for a long time, is that I thought a yoke, he was saying, like, let's be like oxen. And, the, you know, I kind of retroactively injected what, I, what a yoke means today. But they didn't have machinery back then. And so a yoke actually was used by individuals to do heavy manual labor. So you would put this leather yoke, or sometimes I think they would use a wooden yoke to do work on their on their shoulders. It wasn't like they were necessarily attached to an oxen. <laughs> it's kind of a weird image to think about, by the way. Jesus, who's that? Anyway, <laughs> take my, you're, the point is this, you're doing work with Christ. He says, take my yoke. And what I love that he says, and I, we keep coming back to this verse. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And for a lot of people, following Jesus is a burden. The spiritual practices are a weight that we have to bear. And he says, no, like it's work. In other words, it takes energy. It takes effort. It takes even sometimes skill that you learn over time, but it's not a burden. It's light in the sense of a barn raising because we're all doing it together with Christ as our leader. Discipleship is... Um, Taking scripture and then helping people to apply that into their everyday life, not just in the kind of ethereal mental state, but what does that actually look like to live that out? So discipleship is the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of God and the people of God <clears throat> to help me understand that truth and the right application in the life where I'm living. Right. To my if I'm a single mom to my single mom life, if I'm a, a business owner, to my business owner. And, and it's a little bit different nuanced based on where you are in the role you're in, okay? Having people help you figure out the truth, how to apply the truth in the right way. 
But it's more than that, because sometimes the right truth in the right way left to yourself is really hard to do. In relationship with God and in relationship with others, the strength that comes from relationship with God and relationship with others helps me live out a practical truth that may be hard to do. So I'll give you an example. I preached a sermon on God hates hates divorce once. I've done it many times, but I was frustrated with some of the people who are saying, I love you, but I don't love you. And I was like, again, I, God hates divorce. And here's what love really is. And I, and I did a barn burner. And I went out into the foyer and this little lady comes walking up to me and she was crying. And she said, I know what I need to do, Jim. I need to go back to my husband. And it, it, my first reaction was, yeah. But then I was like, okay, the, you know, I really believe the Holy Spirit said, ask her why she left her husband. So I said, can you tell me what happened? Why did you leave your husband? Well, he was sexually abusing her daughters. And in her mind, just hearing the sermon, God hates divorce, she had applied it to, I have to go back to my husband who's sexually abusing my daughters. And I went, no, 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 no. You don't go back to your husband right now. And I asked her a question, are you in a small group with anybody? She said, no. And so I said, okay. No, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk you over to some ladies who are going to walk you through this process. But no, that's not the right application of that in your circumstance. Was what I had said the truth? Yes. But can I deal with every person's nuances from one sermon? No. That is unpacked with other believers who take your individual circumstances and walk you through it. But now here was the problem. One of the things that she, her life had become very hard. The husband wasn't paying child support. She had two jobs, three little kids. She's trying to, to live this out. So in a, sense, in a sense, she's saying the reason it's so hard is because I left my husband. So if I go back to my husband, who wanted her back? He'll pay the bills and it'll be easier. No, the right message was, I'm sorry, you don't go back to your husband, which means that it's still going to be hard financially for you, except the right truth wasn't supposed to be living lived out alone. She needed people to come alongside her who would help her live out the right truth. Christians who helped her financially while she was going through this tough time, who helped her figure out how we can watch kids so she can do things. Christians were supposed to not help her not only find out find the right truth for her position where she was, but the strength that Christians provided to help her live out that truth was essential too. Right. Yeah. And and so that's discipleship being the family, the body of Christ. And it's life on life and, and it's a journey. So we, we talk about, you know, the subtitle of the book is walking humbly with Jesus in every area of life. And there's something about a walk, like a literal walking with people that's important for growth so uh, yesterday I asked my daughter at lunch, um, I said, hey, you want to go on a walk? And she's like, no. I said, well, you're three. We're going to go on a walk. Uh, me and your mom are going on a walk. So you're coming with us, right? <laughs> but uh, it starts with taking the invitation to just go on a walk. Because it's as we walk, we relate and we encounter other people. And there's cars and there's animals and there's <laughs> we encounter life together as we journey together. And, you know, one of the things is as, as leaders, as, as family people, 
there are real sacrifices to what we want when we walk with other people. Jim, one of the things you talk about is if you want to go uh, fast, go you'll go alone. You know, the opposite is true too, though. And there's so much satisfaction if you walk at pace. I'm not saying slow, because sometimes you go fast on the journey of discipleship. If you walk at pace, you'll walk with people. Um, because Christ is patient with all of us, right? He's kind of going slow for all of us. <laughs> so what leaders do. But it starts with that going on a walk in the first place that we encounter things. There's a guy that I'm talking to right now. He said, um, this is kind of an extrapolation of what you're saying about this lady with her husband. He said, um, I need help with, um, with a porn problem. And he, so he, he needs help with a, and, and this is very common. I mean, that you can kind of name, name the man who needs help. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. And, and he said, will, uh, will you be my accountability guy? Like, will you receive, you know, emails about my web browsing history? And, and I thought, okay, I mean, that I've seen, I think that that can be really great, but here's the deal. I don't want to just sign up for an email list only. I want to sit down and talk with them. Hey, what's your, what's your plan? You know, tell me um, who's in your life, you know, who, and, and we're not in the same area. Um, who, who do you know? Who, who are you in a relationship with? Because here's the deal. Just, just kind of this um, transactional accountability thing, you know, and, and I, it doesn't always work. In fact, out of relationship, I think we set ourselves up for failure. And so we talk about, you know, accountability is actually a great, a great topic to talk about because, you know, the Holy Spirit holds us accountable to what Christ said, and we're called to submit to his words. And so, you know, Jim, as we talk about what does pride look like, you know, versus humility, kind of as we wrap this up, I think one of the characteristics, if you're saying, okay, um, I want to follow Christ in all these areas, uh, Christ has called us to humility in the church and in every area of life. So what does it look like? You know, we're talking about life on life. What does it look like to be proud and what does it look like to be humble? I think you can sort of take a step back from your life and say, okay, am I actually struggling with this? And one of the kind of key signs is that you don't listen to anybody. Or there's certain areas where you won't listen to somebody. And what or you don't tell, you don't even bring up the subject. You don't tell anybody because you're right. afraid or you don't want to be told. Yeah, you're not authentic in relationship to the point where someone could even speak into your life. Um, and then, you know, so I think not listening is the first sign that you're struggling with pride. Well, the good news is the opposite is that if you do open up, Jim, like you're saying, and, and share your life with other people. And then also, if you listen to their input, in other words, confession is half the way there, and then humbly listening is the other half. But then, then what comes from that is obedience. And it's like, man, that's a tall order. But we have the Holy Spirit empowering us. So we have, it's the body of Christ with the word of Christ, with the people of Christ, and it's that combo. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it according to our own wisdom. And we can't do it by our own power. Humility is actually surrendering to all these things. And I think that that's sort of the core 
of what our message is, is rejecting pride because it wrecks our life is replaced by humility because it brings life. Here's the deal. The life that Christ offers is the best. And, And if you've ever run hard in the opposite direction for any length of time, like we all have, remember that terrible feeling. If you're in it right now, just take your pulse. How does it feel to rebel against God? It's not fun, is it? You can turn. It's called repentance. And you can learn to walk humbly with Christ in every area of life. Yeah. And and back to Romans 13, right? Speaking about authority. A lot of people say, I'll obey Jesus, but I will not be open and honest or submit to people. You are not obeying Jesus if you will not submit to the authority of God's people or to the government. If you say, I'll follow Jesus, but I won't follow any human, you are already in rebellion because God's word makes it very clear that he has a design and being in submission is a part of it. So we wanted to really share our heart about the revolutionary disciple and walking humbly with Jesus in every area of life. We've talked about this a few times, but the book is The Revolutionary Disciple. And you can buy this at therevolutionarydisciple.com. There's a link in the show description um, to buy it as well. And then here's the other thing. We really want churches to be able to go through this together. So we've created a whole suite of resources for a six-week teaching series to supplement the book. So we've got teaching outlines for each week group discussion guides, and even short videos. And so a link to that uh, to license those resources as well for your church. We just want this message to get out. We believe that that it's a timeless message, but it's um, it's timely delivered. And we, we just, it's like, Lord, have mercy on us and give us your grace as we try and walk through these different times. There's changes going on these days that, that, a lot of people will say, at least in our lifetimes, are unprecedented, and we've got to learn how to navigate this together. And what we see as a huge missing piece is this humility element in discipleship. And so, by God's grace, we can learn to be different and set the trajectory for the next generation as well. Right, and that wraps up the episode. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. And if you want to catch these shows live and in action, you can go to discipleship.org slash collective. I know that Chad and Jim have been on there on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. in Classroom 2. So make sure you go over there and check that out. All right, just want to say again, thanks so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you subscribe here at Apple Podcasts so you can stay up to date every time I release a new episode. All right, see you soon and have a great day. Bye.